two, three, sports psychiatry. Here we go, here we go. All right, all right, all right. Thanks for keeping it light today. We're going to try to, but today's podcast is about what's going on right now. What's, what's all on our news, minds. What's, yeah, in our, our spirit, right? What are you thinking about? What are you ruminating on right now? What are you texting about? You know, what? the reason why we had to talk about all this is because, um, well, it's really important. It's a moment of mindfulness. And how about it shut down the NBA and March Madness? No one really took it seriously, unfortunately, in America, until the hammer was dropped. March Madness canceled. NBA season postponed. Yeah. It's what? Yeah, I just got a letter from Adam Silver, the one and only commissioner of the NBA. Um, not personally, but I'm on some NBA registry. Adam wanted to reach out and say, look, man, this is going to be at least 30 days. 30 days without NBA, and that's best case scenario. Mm -hmm. So today we're talking about coronavirus. We're talking about the pandemic. The World Health Organization just announced that this is a pandemic, meaning this is an illness that is spreading across the globe, across different geographical locations. And causing pandemonium while we're at it. And I'm sure you've been inundated. And enthralled. With all this information, so we're, we're not going to try to repeat stuff. We want to do it sports like MD style. We're going to give you like the psychology of a pandemic. That's what today's podcast is about. But we also have a special guest. We have an infectious disease expert. She is a, an expert in training, as she would say, but she's a specialist at a minimum. She, actually, she's, just a, she's a stud. She's a pro. She's a pro. She's an all-star. Like if, she, if infectious disease were like the NBA... Right, she'd be she'd be an all star. She's an all star. All right, all right. Rami Yunus. I I agree. I think she could be a reserve off the bench. <laughs> an all star game though. Like like a Chris Paul though, right? Yeah, like, closer. You know, closer. Definitely a closer. Exactly. But like a younger version with a lot of potential. So. Yep. Like a John ja Morant maybe. Like a John ja Morant. That's yeah. That's, that's probably all the better. Way. She likes to attack the rim. She gets after it. Mm-hmm. All right, so. She's a second-year fellow in infectious disease at UCI here in Southern California. That's so Irvine she, to you. Yeah, she's been on the front lines. There'll be a lot of mentions of UCs in our interview with her. That's University of California's UC Irvine, UC San Diego, which is one of the epicenters of infectious disease research. The UCs also include UCLA. Everyone yeah. knows UCLA, UCSF. We're a stone's throw away. Yeah, so we got an inside scoop on what's going on because there's a lot of misinformation out there. Quite frankly, there's still a lot of information we don't know, but hopefully we can shine a little light on that today. So after we finish our interview with Dr. Yunus, we're going to get into the nitty gritty of the psychology and psychiatry of the pandemonium, the pandemonium of these pandemics. And we're going to talk about the anxiety and the fear. Talk about these people that are rushing to buy toilet paper. Yeah, we're going to talk about all these things that affect both individuals and populations right we're going to also go into this whole like survivalist psychology and these notions of like tribalism and the dystopia paradigm and you know what was that oh, wow like? this sounds interesting oh it is man think about like zombies and you know all this stuff like end of the world type shit mad max no, don't anyway, freak anyone before, out that's now. Before your time, don't before freak your time. anyone out now. Trust, right? 
trust. Well, don't give we have to be away. able to trust in our leaders, right? That's the essence. <laughs> You're giving away all our secrets. That's the no. essence of the psychology. All right, take us of home. The pandemic. Let's go. So today we have Dr. Ramey Yunus joining us live from San Diego. Hi. How you doing? Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. All right. It's been an interesting time. Yeah, it's dangerous times. The problem is, I feel like at this point, who hasn't heard of coronavirus, right? I think mm. a lot of people know of it. They know what symptoms to mainly watch out for. But the issue is people are getting really panicky and scared. And I think that... We really need to shift the focus from controlling or, how should I put it, like preventing spread to just mitigating the effects on our healthcare system as much as possible. Oh. And I don't think people mm. get it. I think a lot of people still think that it's That's deep. A, a hoax or it's not as serious as it really is. But I, I, I think that's maybe what people want to hear. I'm not sure. So you're, you're saying always in a crisis, man. That's it, that's part of the psychology of the game. It's here. It's definitely here. Denial. In Cal- it's definitely here in California. Mm-hmm. I read somewhere that it's it's now time to just cope with it rather than contain it. Well, the containment yeah. efforts are long gone. That's not that's over with. I think at this point we just have to do our best to mitigate the spread. It's spreading and it's going to spread. All we can do now is really try to slow the the influx of patients that our healthcare system is inevitably going to have to deal with. Okay. Yeah. And so okay. everyone's talking about flattening the curve because. If Italy is showing us anything, if we're learning anything about what's happening in Italy, it's that our westernized healthcare systems, or healthcare systems around the world, I shouldn't just say western, are not built to handle a pandemic of this size. Mm-hmm. And um, it's if we take the data from China as any example, 20% of their patients need to be hospitalized for oxygen, oxygenation purposes. So wow. we, we don't have that kind of capacity in our hospitals in the U.S. So... What would be the solution then when things start to unfold and unravel? I guess there isn't an obvious solution, but even if we can delay, if we can delay a large number of people getting sick all at once, that which is flattening the curve, if we can just prolong the inevitable as much as we can, try and just contain it, ideally for months, (laughs) then maybe we can be able to handle a trickle of patients into the healthcare system in and out without, so right. I'm not, I'm not phrasing this well, but I know a lot of people are upset that concerts and sporting events are canceled and the NBA it's okay, bad about that. It's the, okay. It's yeah. Okay. yeah. March Madness got canceled. What the fuck? And a lot of people are upset and, and rightly so. But at the same time, I actually think it's a really smart move because one catastrophe at a sporting event where thousands of people can get infected, that will destroy a city. No, we I agree. can't afford that. So limiting these social gatherings is important because it increases the chances of thousands of people, hundreds of people getting it all at once, and right. then they need to go to the hospital, but 
the hospital can't handle that much volume all at once. Speaking of which, that's, that's a very yeah, yeah. basic summary of it. And yeah. obviously, you know, we we do see in general that younger patients aren't getting as severe symptoms as older folks. I think right now, in older folks over the age of eighty, there is a fifteen percent mortality rate. We've been throwing that number around a lot. But even a few young patients are being intubated. That is happening. How and, young are we talking? Um, there have been a couple 30-year-olds on ventilators with no prior <laughs> medical condition. Oh, really? God. So, yeah. you know, and, actually, so here's what's, what's weird for me. Like, they, they, they seem to talk about uh, on these various shows, you have, like, mild forms of the disease where you could, you know, pretty much remain maybe even at home and just kind of quarantine. Yeah. Then you have like moderate and then even severe where you may end up, as you said, in the ICU. Like, how does, how does it change? How does it vary like that? So we don't fully understand the immunology of the virus, but it seems like most of the morbidity is associated with an inflammatory response. And it's interesting. So a lot of patients, like you said, will have mild disease. Um, it's not a sudden onset like the flu. Usually it'll be five to eight days of you feeling weak, maybe you have a fever, but usually there's a cough involved. I would say about 70% of patients have a fever. The other common symptoms are a cough, it could be dry, it could be productive, and um, just feeling really weak and short of breath. A lot of people can manage that at home and they'll get better on their own and they self-quarantine and everything's fine. People with more moderate disease may need may feel so short of breath that they need to be put on oxygen. So they may need to be on a few liters of cannula, but they'll get better and they'll get to go home. Okay. For the patients who become progressively more and more short of breath, they need more and more oxygen. They, you know, usually over the course of a week or so, they may need to be put on a ventilator, and that's when we're trying to experiment with some therapies to see what could work for this virus. But so far, it seems like it's kind of immune-mediated. It's this inflammatory response to the virus that is just really kind of remarkable. So an inflammatory response, meaning our body is trying to fight back against it, but then that causes more damage than good? Yeah. Yeah. And we're seeing, you know, what we call ARDS, acute respiratory distress syndrome, um, in the lungs. So we see, when we scan the lungs, we just see all this haziness kind of everywhere. And it's just inflammation in the lungs. And interestingly, we're not seeing other organs fail. It's just that this inflammation's in the lungs, and we're seeing some inflammation get to the heart. So a mm. lot of patients are having inflammation of their heart muscle tissue, in other words, and their heart stops, or they have some kind of problems with their heart rhythm, and that's, we're actually seeing deaths from that. Have we seen any trends in, in terms of the, the predictors, like the types of, of patients that are more commonly getting the severe symptoms? Yes. Yeah, definitely. We So everyone knows that the elderly are more at risk, and especially those over the age of 80. Uh, the other comorbidities that I think are really concerning, people with underlying lung conditions like COPD, smokers, hmm. patients with diabetes also. Um, and then they were actually finding patients with heart disease are also at risk. And I think, I mean, this is just my personal, I'm just guessing here, but I think it may have to do with that inflammation we're seeing in the heart as well. Maybe there's some underlying issue there that predisposes you to having worse outcomes if you have a heart condition already. Okay, wow. So is there a chance some people may be walking around with coronavirus but aren't showing any symptoms at all? 
very possible. I actually think that it's been probably spreading the community long before we were probably really on high alert for it. So I do think that a lot of patients may be asymptomatic and shedding. That's been documented. It's been published before. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the danger. I mean, we need to, I think people don't need to panic, but at the same time, we have to be conscientious. We have to be able to take care of our elderly. We don't want them to get sick. Um, Speaking of shedding, you mentioned shedding the virus. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit, how does the virus get from one person to the other? At first, we didn't know how the virus was transmitted, but I think now we have a somewhat of a better understanding, although we don't totally know. We do know that most likely, like other coronaviruses, it's transmitted through droplets. So people who cough or sneeze and then it gets into your system, your respiratory system that way. So little micro droplets that are just floating around in the air? Yes. And the other way is probably through contact. Uh, we think that, you know, in Japan, a lot of, um, there's been some anecdotal and some case reports published of contact transmission because the virus has been detected in large amounts in poop in, in your stool. So, you know, this is where hand washing is super important. And it's not a joke when we say we want you to wash your hands for 20 seconds. It's because we really want you to make sure we get all those viral particles off your hands. And, mm-hmm. after, you know, after you use the bathroom, uh, wash your hands thoroughly and use hand sanitizer pretty frequently if you don't have access to hand washing. So you can pick this up from a, a bathroom doorknob and then you next thing you know you're touching your face or eating yeah. some chips. Yeah, uh, I think that's very possible. And it's unclear how long the virus can live on surfaces. So I don't, I, it's, I, I, would, I don't want to even posit a guess there, but that kind of spread is likely. Yeah. How, how long does it live inside of a human? Um, that's a very good question, and I don't think we really know because we've detected. So, just so you know, our test for the virus is detects its RNA, its genetic material. Just because you detect the virus's genetic material doesn't give you any idea if it's alive or dead. So, when we test for the virus, we check for its genetic material, and it can be present for weeks after you may be done having symptoms. Wow. Does that mean the virus is dead? Does it mean you're still contagious? We don't know for sure. What are the, I guess, some of the, the best um, way? I mean, everybody talks about hand washing and stuff like that, right? Um, that's practical. But, like, when this thing really starts to pick up in the community and we really start seeing the numbers grow, like, what would you recommend if you just had, like, three things that, you know, people absolutely you know, need to be most concerned about and prepared to do in the event of, um, I mean, right now. Yeah. Right now? I think right now I would, I mean, number one is hand washing. I hate to beat a dead horse, but I really do think that we need to be just super conscientious and don't think of it as a means of self-protection. Really see it as you doing the community a favor. Like you are trying to help keep others safe as well. It's not all about you. Right. Yeah. We have to be really aware of what we can do to help others. I think that's number one. So and I, that's hand washing and using hand sanitizer, you know, eight, 20 times a day, whatever it takes. Um, I would do that. Um, the second thing is I really would try and have people, under, you know, just try not to panic. It's useless to hoard masks, hoard gloves, hoard toilet paper. <laughs> It's not going to do anyone any good, and you're just contributing to this overall sense of panic. Um, I think 
that if you are having symptoms, this is what I would suggest. Mm -hmm. If you're having symptoms and you're well, stay at home. Don't go to the emergency department. Call your local clinic or your ER and get some help from their infection control specialists right. and see if you can get tested. Um, and if, if it even warrants testing, for a lot of our milder cases, because we don't have test kits available for everyone, that's a different issue altogether, we may not be able to test you because we're limited in who we can test and we should save our tests for those who are really sick and who need that diagnosis for us to triage them appropriately. So if you're okay at home and you've got symptoms, stay at home. Try to stay away from older folk, anyone who you might get sick because there will be more deaths from the coronavirus, guaranteed. Yeah, for sure, man. So... That's what I would suggest. And if you have more intense symptoms, then certainly come to the ED if you need oxygen or, you know, that's kind of what I would tell people. That's great advice. Um, and, and that's the thing that I think that I didn't really fully appreciate, you know, is that like ultimately, man, like this thing can spread really after, with just like one person, you know, one person being, as you alluded to earlier, you know, amongst a group of several people that right there can set off the chain reaction, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, so like you said, it's, it's actually really the best thing to probably stay put right at home, not necessarily going around town, you know, going to the hospital and stuff like that to go and, you know, potentially spread the infection if you have symptoms, but first like stay at home, reach out to someone, you know, and, and yeah. figure out what to do. And if, if things really get bad, you know, and you feel like, okay, yeah. I'm definitely potentially needing life-saving support, you know, something like that, then... I mean, yeah, if you're well, if you're well, stay at home. If you at all are feeling terrible, I, you know, I don't, don't hesitate to come get help because we're here for you, obviously. But I think that people with even a cough are coming into the emergency room and they may infect someone who has no immune system. They might be on chemotherapy and... Yeah you gave it to that person unknowingly and you are just fine. Yeah. So that's what, that's what the concern is there. Yeah. I think that social distancing, that phrase has been, been thrown around a lot recently. I think it's smart and I think it's really what we should try and focus on. Uh, and I think just avoiding crowded places. I don't think you should become a hermit altogether. I don't think that's sustainable, but if you can avoid unnecessary travel, I think you should because it's a luxury. It's a privilege of ours. And mm -hmm. I think that you don't want to transmit the virus to someone unknowingly when you wanted to go to Cancun for some fun. Or South it's, Beach. Or, or South or Beach. Or Thailand. <laughs> I, I just think it's the responsible thing to do. We have to look out for each other. Yeah, absolutely. I love that message. So we'll get you out of here. I know you're busy. Um, but one last question. Moving forward with regards to, to testing and getting better testing kits and being able to get have the turnaround times be quicker, possible treatments, possible vaccines. I know you're at you're working with these big universities in Southern California. What what are you seeing? Like what's on the horizon here? Um, so just to clarify, it's not that our test kits are getting better. It's just we need more access to testing in whatever shape or form it is. We need good validated tests that can give us a quick turnaround time. Right now, some of our big academic centers at some of the UCs that I work with, our turnaround time is about two to three hours right now for our testing in-house, but we have such a limited number that we can run. In-house, right? Yeah, in-house. That's great. Yeah, that, that's great. But one thing I learned earlier, 
um, when I was talking to Tori about this, is that, man, a lot of these places you think have the tests available don't actually have them. Um, yeah. And yeah. there's only specific places that, that have these tests. And each, you know, public health department may not have very many tests to go around. And so right now we really are in this kind of conservation mode in a way. But again, yeah, more of a mitigation mode. But testing aside, I think we will ramp up testing steadily, which is great. And we've already started to do that. But I don't think we'll nearly get to the point where South Korea is screening 5,000 easy patients a day, if not more. I think they're screening 10,000 patients a day, which is phenomenal. I think we can all learn something from South Korea. But with regards to what Tori was saying about future treatments, I do think a vaccine, it's been in development. I just don't expect it to arrive anytime before the, maybe probably next year, if, if we're lucky, may take longer. There are some trials that we're doing looking into some new antiviral agents. Um, we're going to do a trial with the UCs here looking at remdesivir, which is an new antiviral and some other countries are actually looking at some other medications one of them is looking into an hiv medicine that's been used for hiv maybe it can work on this virus too that's a matter of discussion and debate um so yeah there are some potential therapies in the works and some therapies are actually looking at maybe can we modify this huge inflammatory response can we reduce the inflammation in such a way that it's not as fatal so there's some interesting things that we're looking at, but it's it's a long ways from now. Fascinating. Well, we, Ramy, we really appreciate your time. Thank and, you so and much. We appreciate the fact that you're on the front lines fighting uh, the battle against the bugs. Fighting the good fight. Yeah, it's, it led to a number of sleepless nights, lots of pages at night. It's an interesting time to be an infectious disease uh, specialist. <laughs> All right, well... Um, would you like to direct our listeners to any of your social media accounts or your webpage? Please don't visit me. No. On media. Um, I just, I guess the one thing I want to say is take care of yourselves, but also take care of the people around you. Don't see this as a disease where you are holed up in your cave and nothing else matters. This is a community effort. So we're in this together. All right. I love it. Awesome. So let's end the stigma and continue the conversation. Okay. <laughs> you got it. All right. All right. Thanks for sticking with us. So back to psychology of the pandemic. Yes. Psychiatry. Of yes. The, of the pandemic. We're going to infuse the biologies of the psychology, also known as the physiology of how this all works, like how this thing is affecting the body, right? And, and the mind. And how it affects the mind. This is anxiety provoking for a lot of people, obviously. Mm-hmm. But that's not necessarily a bad thing because that anxiety can be fuel to prepare yourself to do the necessary things like Dr. Eunice talked about, wash your hands, social distance. That could be fueled by a good amount of anxiety. For sure, healthy fear, you know. You know, sometimes we need a little healthy amount of uh, fear to just kind of get our minds right, just kind of get us focused. Um, and To motivate us and yeah. to, to prioritize our goals. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, I mean, and right now, goal number one's got to be, you know, safety. It's got to be protecting each other, you know, coming together as a community and working with one another, you know, working with health officials, working with our political leadership. Are you talking about trusting people? Our experts, yeah. And, you know, just like uniting and getting on track with all the right things need to be done to yeah. prevent the spread of this terrible infection. Yeah, and this it's a fine line, right, this anxiety, because it can be healthy, motivated us to do all the right things to help contain this or, or cope with this this virus, but also it could spill over and lead to panic or pandemonium or irrational decisions being made, emotional decisions made out of too much fear and, and too much anxiety. So it's a fine line. And when you have anxiety, a lot of times individuals feel like they're losing control or they don't have control and everyone wants to have control. And right now there's so much unknown out there. It's hard to feel like you're in control and that leads to anxiety. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, right? Because um, this whole Corona, I mean, most people, I don't, I, I doubt have even heard of coronavirus before. Um, yeah. You know, I, people I mean, were staying away from the beer. <laughs> I mean, you know, we've heard obviously of influenza, you know, the flu, the common cold, we've heard of that. And, um, you know, the we've heard of Zika, swine you know, flu. Po- chicken, the, the virus that causes chicken pox. Chikungunya. You know, we, we've heard of polio, right? That was a terrible virus that, uh, for example, affected Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Yeah, measles is making a comeback. Um, measles is another one. Uh, and then you got HIV, you know, of mm-hmm. course. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there, there's there's some well-known viruses, and, and you know, we've, we've dealt with many different things um, over over the years. Um, Dating but, back to the Spanish flu. Oh yeah, you know, recent, recent the Black years. plague. Well, now we're going back. Yeah, way back. But I mean, listen, this uh, this well, coronavirus that, thing, man. I, th- I, I can't. I can't think of any time in 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 history, like looking back, um, where this particular virus has been a pandemic now, but has even been. There's even been an outbreak, right? Well, what about SARS and MERS? Well, those are coronaviruses. They're coronaviruses, yeah, that's right. But COVID nineteen, um, you know, this is uh, this is the one we're dealing with now, right? And this particular virus is new, and why this is important is because there's no vaccine, right? There's no real prevention strategy, right? It's just you know, it's completely it basically caught us by complete surprise in a sense. Yeah, it's scary and it's brand new. And not only the virus is new, but what it's causing, like what we're seeing happen across the globe, that is new. This environment is new and it's also scary. So there you go. More, more anxiety. Like what do you, how do you move forward in, in a climate like this? Well, um, I think there's a couple of different things you have to do in order to, as you say, move forward. First and foremost, you know, I think we're always going to go back to this. You have to be mindful. Um, you're going to have to be mindful of what's happening right now. What's most important right now? You know, don't don't worry so much. You know about like 
you know, three months from now, six months from now, but right now in this moment, what's going on and listen, uh, all the experts agree at this point, right? There's no debate. You know, I know that some of our political leaders have not necessarily had a consistent message, but there's no debate, uh, at least within the scientific community at this point, that the next three to six months are going to yield a significant worldwide explosion of this virus and therefore this infection and therefore the death rate, right, worldwide. You know, so we, we have you're to be prepared right now. You're making me nervous again. Why, you're we creating more anxiety. Right now, but we got to be mindful, yes. right? We have to be aware, and that'll create the healthy fear yeah. Part, necessary. Yeah, part of that is listening to people that you, that you trust. Quite frankly, listening to the experts, the infectious disease doctors and specialists and researchers, the people on the front of the lines that have been studying this their entire lives. And ideally, you can trust your government to have their own set of specialists that they're taking advisement from. And I think we're in a situation where hopefully we can come together and not only trust our government, not only trust our local governments, our news outlets, but also our neighbors, our coworkers to abide by these guidelines of social distancing and hand washing in order to prevent the spread, in order to contain it, because it's already spreading. So like Dr. Yunus mentioned, we've got to try to flatten that curve and let it trickle out. But it's easy for someone to say, oh, just stay home, don't do much. Like, we, it's such a strong threat or special, this new scary danger. Like, we want to be able to do more than just wash our hands. Like, what else can we do? So that le- I think that's part of what leads to this pandemonium with regard to getting running and getting toilet paper, getting all these masks, and even though there's only one specific mask that actually is truly, really helpful. But it leads oftentimes to irrational behaviors. And then another thing we talked about, I mean, early on when this disease was spreading, there's a lot of kind of xenophobia or people not wanting to eat at Chinese restaurants. Something like this can be extremely unifying or divisive. So Armin mentioned before, this kind of taps into our biology a little bit. We have that that tribalism that's kind of buried deep down in our DNA with regards to kind of almost sometimes having that me versus you aspect. And when things like this happen, it could be divisive and we can take sides and we can start blaming other people. We always want to blame something or someone for something that it's negative that happens. Process. Yeah. So this is a situation where ideally we can just notice that, be mindful of that, like Armin said, and know that, okay, this is a virus. Oh, no, this is not a time to be apart. You know, this is the time to be together. That's the only way to get through a situation like this, right? Because... Much like mental illness, viruses don't know anything about income or where you're from, mm-hmm. what you do for a living, you know, where you, your ancestors are from, you know, none yeah. of that, man, what you look like. And it's, it, take, for instance, how this country of ours was founded, a bunch of Europeans coming over and essentially killing off all the indigenous people, not necessarily directly, although they did some of that, but indirectly through the diseases that they brought over, like smallpox and influenza. Mm. Those were the real killers. So this stuff kind of comes full circle. It was like 100 years ago, more or less. 
a certain strain of influenza wiped out like a good chunk of the world. It's a hundred years ago. I mean, just millions of people Mm -hmm. wiped out um, influenza. And here we are a hundred years later. I mean, not to, not to stir the pot. I mean, obviously we've come a very long way in terms of, I think our general advances in, in healthcare, in healthcare technology, in medicines, in just our general standards and standards of cleanliness practices and all these things. But it goes back to what I said in the beginning. I mean, we, we don't have the prevention in place quite yet for this particular strain of coronavirus. And Armin and I being doctors going through medical school, we've had, I think we've had discussions, arguments about this, about, oh, it's going to be a, which country are we going to go to war with? There's going to be a World War Three, and that's going to be the, maybe that'll be the end of the earth. But I think both of us, we sometimes talk about, oh, well, there's also another battle going on, and that's against the bugs, viruses, and bacteria. Here's the thing about viruses. Viruses are interesting. They're living things, um, but they're very unique in that they only survive within a host. Right. And this is because they don't have the necessary tools to create their own DNA, right, to replicate Mm -hmm. their own DNA, which is essential for both general growth. Right. And and maintenance and also for division. Right. To make more of yourself. And, you know, viruses, therefore, use their host tools and machinery to replicate, right? They and go so, inside our cells and then that's right. burst and destroy all of them. Call it like an extremely primitive parasite. But it's that's what we're at war against right now. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, it's, it, you, it is a war. How do you feel right now? You know, I, I, I got to be honest. Um, I, I would say compared to like a week ago, not great. Not great because I recognize it's sort of like because I know that we've only just kind of begun with this thing. And and I know that three to six months from now um, without sports. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're going to kind of be dealing with this thing. And so there is this this recognition and appreciation I have for the fact that, like, you know, it's very unpredictable. Right. It's, It's just a very unpredictable time. Um, but I, I am trying to stick to my guns, you know, and, 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 you know, my principles and just kind of stay in the moment and just do what I can now, uh, you know, just you have to, you still wash have, my hands, mm-hmm. you know, regularly. You still have a job to perform. Yeah. Go to work, you know, but be vigilant, you know, and, and spread, spread the good word, you know, educate folks on what to do. Um, you know, get it, you know do my mask thing, you know, since, since I'm a healthcare worker and you got the N95. Right. The N95. Um, I was at the Milwaukee Bucks Lakers game last week, man. And I was tripping when, you know, I started hearing the news about this coronavirus thing. Cause I was like, man, I was in a huge auditorium. How many people? Packed. It was jam packed. So I say it's gotta be 20,000. It's gotta Ooh, be all 20,000. What's the regulation for how many people should, should be in one <laughs> gathering? What's the max? I, is there a regulation? I, well, think I, know, I know about six it's feet. A lot, it's a lot lower than 20,000, I'll tell you that. <laughs> For sure. Damn. And everybody's like, you know, they, so this is a respiratory droplets thing, right? Everybody's cheering on hard and clapping hands well, and slapping ass. I mean, it was a hell of a game. 
Oh, it was a hell of a game, you know. If you're going to get... I guess, I guess honestly, yeah. If you're going to get sick, I mean, it might yeah. have been worth it. Shouldn't, unless well, you, if you don't I'm spread it. I'm in the ICU it. and like, no. <laughs> Humor is a good defense mechanism. So if don't take our laughs the wrong way. It's, we're trying yeah. to be mindful and still live in the moment. Yeah. But, it, but it's at the same time, this is serious. Okay, I don't want to jinx myself. I'm knocking on wood, right? But, man, what a game. Hell of a game. Hell of a game. LeBron reclaiming the throne. It was never, you know, it was never, it, it was never taken. What am I talking about? Well, let's about? wait until the NBA finals. If yeah, they we got to, we got to get the NBA back. We need to go on strike yeah. or something. Well, if say, look, I was, we want the NBA yeah. back. You're right though. That was almost a turning point in the season. Although I would argue Giannis is still in the lead for the MVP, but LeBron had taken over the narrative. You know, you know, and he, every, had, he had LeBron the momentum. is the narrative. He had the momentum. So yeah. now we have this break. That's superficial stuff. We'll probably have a maybe. Maybe we'll throw in a podcast about this long wait and talk more sports. But right now, I'm uh, first of all. Look, I'm an I'm an optimistic guy. Things could go sour. I've heard some infectious disease specialists quote up to maybe seventy percent of the population will have been infected by twelve months. But how do we prevent that? We have China who says they're already past the peak, and South Korea and Japan already in Italy right now dealing with it a lot worse than we have it currently. So maybe we can learn from them. Since they've already they've been battling fighting that fight for a longer period of time than we have, so hopefully we can work together, band together as a globe to mm-hmm. try to overcome this. Well, that's that's the only way, right? We're gonna have we have to work together as you know as we alluded earlier. It's a globalized world now. We're all it's, interconnected. Yeah, it's us versus them. Us being the globe, right. them being the the viruses. Right. COVID. COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's actually, in, so, in some ways, like as dark and gloomy as you know, we can make things, there is this kind of silver lining. Um, maybe we're not meant to see it quite yet, but situations like this do have a way of bringing people together, mm-hmm. right? Because you know, it kind of forces you to focus on what's most important. Gratitude. You know, there you go. That's where we have to take this. We have to, right? Because when you're talking about a pandemic, right, you're, you're talking about worldwide suffering. And you're talking about a, an agent that knows no boundaries and takes no prisoners, right? And it doesn't matter what race you are, what your economic situation is. Age matters a little bit. We can get into some social well, issues, though. No, I mean, look. If you're lower income, you're at more risk for health problems. And if you have more health problems, you're more risk of having severe symptoms. From you're, you're at higher risk, you know, and we can talk all day about risk factors and, and get, you know, sci- yeah. and get scientific with and, you. But I'm going to tell you right now, like, there, I, I wouldn't start to, to think about things like that. Access to health care. Honestly, I, the way that has kind of gone so far from what I can tell Dr. Yoon has even said, I mean, there was a, a 30-year-old patient recently that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've seen all age groups, you know, and this is something that if, if we're going to, to get through this, we're going to have to get through it together, right? That's what, that's what this is all about. Yeah. And, I, and I believe that we're going to ultimately be forced to come together, and, you know, given the way things have been, you know, the, the, the climate 
that we have had uh, as a society, you know, with the, the racial tension, mm-hmm. you know, with the political tension. Yeah. Maybe this is exactly what we need. Yeah, and I'm seeing, but I'm seeing also seeing pushback that it's people are trying to make this a political thing. Um, but yeah, you're exactly right. And then gratitude can't emphasize gratitude enough. N- now there's a perfect time to be mindful and now notice, wow, I'm, since I can no longer watch basketball, I, I need to be grateful when mm-hmm. I can. I have the ability, the privilege, yes, to watch a LeBron James and Giannis on the big screen, or to, or to go to a an arena with twenty thousand people. For an event like that so it is time to be grateful oh yeah we've had all these things taken away from us right now sometimes some people can't go to work right churches are closed mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. sporting events are closed down that's right march madness march madness is gone oh that hurts you can't fly really anywhere mm-hmm. can't travel to you know your cancun your cancun trip yeah canceled even, even south su- beach superficial stuff like that but <laughs> and then you look all, all over the, across the globe and people are dying and it's scary. It is. No, but you know, I was just talking about this and you, we were saying, well, man, what are we going to do with all this extra time? We don't, we're not watching basketball. And it's like, well, this is actually a great time to, to spend more time with family, mm-hmm. friends, like quality time. Right. And this is the type of thing Right when we come together, and we start to to shift our focus back onto what's most important, that's what builds resilience. Yeah. That's what builds resilience. That's what makes the difference. That's how we bring this all together once again. I love it. There, there is going to be some pushback there though, because now if people weren't already communicating too much online, now it's it's kind of forced at this point. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you know what? You're right about that. You, you know, what's funny. And I was even thinking to myself the other day, like, you know, I, I, I think at least for the time being, I'm done with handshakes. Right. Yeah. Like I'm done. And, and it's crazy because that's a, a huge cultural norm. I mean, that's a thing that it's American. It's, mm-hmm. it's all over the, all over the world. You know, there's some form of, of handshake and greeting. It's universal. I was touching. It's a universal thing. And, you know, that's, something that that might might change it might change in a permanent way i mean really you know because it almost now is always gonna you're always gonna want to think you know a second guess you know and maybe a fist bump will actually become like more of a standard i mean we've had that in the medical field for a while fist bumping always comes around flu season in the medical field we try to do it yeah but a psychiatrist it's kind of a tone center, quite frankly, shaking yeah. your hand, you know? So you know, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a way to, you know, almost like build rapport, connect you know, with nonverbal mm-hmm. communication. We all, we all know the importance of nonverbal communication. So I guess we might have to do more online communication for better Six or for worse. Feet. We can still record podcasts. And even if either of us get sick, we can, we can just uh, Skype in, do a little zoom meeting. Gosh, man, this, you know, it makes, makes, <laughs> this makes me think of, um, that movie Demolition Man, and I, I know it. I pull these ran, random movies out of uh, my behind sometimes, but gosh, okay. So Sylvester Stallone and Sandra Bullock, Ooh. okay, and there's, it's a scene about a futuristic society. So we're talking like twenty fifty future, right? And uh, and it's um, sort of this utopian slash dystopian kind of 
society uh, anyway. Um, it's it depicts the way that in the future people may actually have like sexual intercourse, right? And oh, no, okay. listen, yeah, I got you. Sorry. And 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 what they had, so it was it was it was Sylvester Stallone. He was this cop, you know, this like you know tough guy, you know, like he likes to play. And then Sandra Bullock was also a cop, but like his partner, future, Naturally. you know. So they they were actually this was like a movie made in the early nineties. So it mm-hmm. was progressive. They they saw me too coming, right? Anyway, um, but yeah, no, so they, I want to say, if I remember correctly, they went into this room, and I think Sylvester Stallone's character was not exactly from there. I think he was from another time, and he was trying to figure things out. And so he met this, this girl, Sandra Bullock, right? And at some point, she actually invites him to come back to her place to like, hook up you know or they're vibing and he's they go back to her place and you're thinking this is about to go down right and she actually like brings him into this room and it's all intimate and you know you think it's about to go down and like all of a sudden you know she puts like a headset on him and like a headset on herself and they proceeded to have like sex in like virtual reality and and I think that um, I wasn't expecting that. It was I've never it seen was it. it was really weird at the time, you know. Because this is like I said, if I remember correctly, it's like early nineties. That's good filmmaking. Yeah, I mean, the virtual reality obviously was was just kind of a figment in the imagination, and and so to kind of like imagine what that would be like at the time was was kind of kind of wild, kind of weird. But man, like nowadays, you think you know, virtual reality is like a real thing. In fact. There was that one Black Mirror episode. Yep, I remember about about this, you know, this concept of virtual reality. Yeah, I saw this one. And I'm just, it's just obviously a random thought, but in this in this age of you know these viral outbreaks and there's coughing and touching and all this stuff can you know cause you to get exposed and you don't you won't even know if you're going to be exposed and this this fear and pandemonium, which has been fueled by social media because now everybody knows everything right at all times. I think a lot of customs could change. I think there could just could be a lot of different things. They that already change were over changing, time. though. They they already were changing. This was going to accelerate add fuel to the fire. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so there, there's certain things we should change, and hospitals need to be more prepared. You need to have the N95 stockpiled. You yeah. need to have more ventilators. Yeah. You need to be able to handle worst case scenario. If any type of business should be able to handle worst case scenario, it should be the hospitals and the financial institutions. Um, which are also going to be working overdrive. We, we didn't even talk about the indirect causes of like suffering or more morbidity or mortality from the, the virus and affecting the economy and people, the small businesses are getting destroyed and people can't make a living and earn a, a good wage to, to survive on. And the stock market yeah. has gone down. But Yeah, I mean, we always talk about death, like, you know, the end point. We always go to the end point. And certainly that's, you know, the thing we want to prevent the most. But... We don't talk about all the things in between that get affected, mm-hmm. you know, that are still a really big deal, too. Yeah. I've, several people, like all the, the concession stands, staff and stadium staff that work all these sporting events. This is a small example. Um, hopefully, I think Mark Cuban came out. Different Kevin Love's donated a lot of players and owners are saying, OK, they're going to be compensated, still paid for the work, the wages they would have earned if the games were still going on. So that's great. Um, but these are things to, things to think about. And, but also don't overreact, don't panic, listen to the people you trust 
and we need and we need to band together. We need to we need to be unified. We need you. Be mindful and grateful. <laughs> now listen, y'all. Um, we love you. We love uh, all of all of you out there, um, and we want you to be safe. We want you to be healthy. We want you to be strong. Right. We believe that through mindfulness and, of course, gratitude and just, you know, awareness of what's most important right now. You'll be confident and you'll, you'll be, be able to withstand yes, anything. That's right. That's that's going to get you to resilience. All right. Right. And that's that's what that, this is the essence of right now in the midst of illness. Right. We, we want to be about wellness. So let's yeah, go. It should always be the goal. That's right. So let's end the stigma. Let's continue the conversation. 